SAFM, leading the conversation. Give us a call, 086-000-2032. I'd love to hear from you this hour on any of the conversations we've had thus far. I do want to know f- from you whether or not, as a voter, are you of concern that a number of new political entrants are entering the ballot? We had over 40 political parties on the ballot the last time around, remember? That, that thing was longer than a slip from uh, you know, a retail store. How do you feel about new political entrants? Give me a call, 86 I'm going to be speaking to Professor Andre Tivonacher in a very short while about that. I do want to tell you about this story that I'm going to be covering a little bit later on. Very important story here. Um, Macro, the massive retailer, well, they've retrenched about 600 workers, right? They're going through a tough time. Now, a number of macro workers have gone to the streets on strike over the past few weeks alleging that the dismissal of the 600 workers and looming retrenchments, as well as the salary issue, are what they're unhappy about. They were compelled to take a wage increase of 4.5% while they were, they, they, and that was imposed unilaterally, while they were uh, asked for a salary increase of 12%. We're going to be speaking to Mike Dau, who is the deputy president of Sakau, the South African Commercial Catering and Allied Workers Union. They're going to be speaking to us a little bit later on about their ongoing protests. They're saying that Macro is negotiating in bad faith and operating in bad faith. Uh, that's coming up a little bit later on. If you work at Macro and you know somebody that works at Macro going through these strikes, perhaps give us more information on this. Give us a call, 86 I'd love to hear from you. Let's have a listen at some of your WhatsApp voices that's come through on our WhatsApp line. Uh, good afternoon, Oliver. So, Oliver, these people there at your municipal level, they don't pay as come for the electricity. Better yet, they expect us, we the public, to pay for the services. They must steal our money and not pay, and then their debt will be written off. So says our deputy president. So they can steal whatever, and there will be no consequences. It can be, man. Thank you, Martina Blomfontein. Hi, Oliver Dixon. No, they are too much, man. They are too much saturated. Because the voters now would be confused now. Because when you see now how the country is in now, the too many challenges, and one of any one of those individuals, they, they will say, no, we want to... We're going to govern better than the other, govern better than the other. But there is no individual who will govern better than the other because the country has got a lot of challenges. So those parties are very, very, very saturated. So I don't think it's going to work. My name is Tembe from Northern Cape in the town of Postmansburg near Daniel's Gate. Thank you, Dixon. Keep those voice notes coming in on 086-000-2032. If you want to give us a call, the voice note line, my apologies, is 0614-104-107. Professor Andre Duvonach, who is a political analyst at Northwest University, is with us on the line now. Prof, good afternoon. Thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Is our political contestation saturated? Good afternoon. Nice talking to you. Uh, can you just repeat the question? I didn't hear it. Is our, is our partisan political contestation at the ballot, is it saturated? Do we have too many political parties or is there no such thing as too uh, many? We need to talk about our electoral system. The moment you have what we call 
a proportional list system. This is normally responsible for a lot of party. Now, in practice, when it comes to elections and when it comes to electoral competition, we have a lot of parties, sometimes in some, on some levels even more than 100 yeah. parties. But if you look at Parliament, you will find that there's around 10 parties active with about four or five that really have an impact on the process. And if we look at the pattern since 1994, it was basically a one-party-dominated system. Yeah. But that changed since, 90, uh, since 2021-2022 with uh, local elections, where we have seen about 80, say 70 or 80 uncouncils. So there's a pattern that there's no absolute majority, and that is bringing to the fore coalition politics, and we have seen that coalition politics are very unstable in the majority of places, especially yeah. among the metros. Yeah. The question then is, how do we sift through, should, should we raise the criteria for electro, for entering the electoral competition? That is to say, should we make it a little bit more difficult for somebody to just willingly, uh, to prevent somebody from willingly waking up and saying, I'm going to start a political party? And I, I, I don't mean to ask it in, in an undemocratic way, Prof. Duvenek. Uh, what I'm not asking is, should we make parties pay more? All I'm asking is, should parties be able to demonstrate to the IEC that they have a reasonable prospect of gaining a seat, at least a seat in the electoral competition should they be put on the ballot. That is to say, should we require a lot more signatures uh, from a party when they register with the IEC for them to be considered uh, eligible? Oliver, I understand your question completely and a very interesting question at this time because uh, November 2022 we had the constitutional court decision that we can accommodate the, the electoral act must accommodate yeah. individual people and they raise the criteria for individuals towards about 60,000 or 80,000 while it's only applicable up to 10,000 for parties you need limited support to be part of the bigger electoral process yeah. I think we need a complete rethink and the re-overall of the electoral system. And I think it will be better in terms of stability to uh, make the criteria for political parties a bit higher. But then still, we need to comply to the constitutional court. How must we accommodate individuals? So really, I, I think we need to re-look and re-overall the whole process it's not that easy. It's a very complicated process. Yeah. And the way you change it can have far-reaching implications for the outcome of elections and the influence of certain political elites. Yeah. But that notwithstanding, Prof, do smaller political parties stand a reasonable chance of eroding the base of bigger political parties? 
And part of the conversation I had with my producers is simply just this. It doesn't seem to be eroding it uh, at, uh, you know, effectively. You have a unicorn every once in a while, and we can call Action SA eroding the base of the Democratic Alliance a unicorn. It's a brand new political party. It's almost a splinter party, and it was able to erode that base. But by and large, new parties don't seem to steal much away from, uh, from, from big parties. Well, do smaller parties stand a reasonable chance of reshaping what our electoral politics look like? Well, I think the pattern that uh, smaller parties is becoming stronger. We have seen that in the latest national and provincial elections, 2019, as well as in the 2021, 2022 local elections. So it seems as if smaller parties based on identity is becoming a bit stronger and their influence is becoming more important. But when it comes to coalition politics, sometimes a person with a single vote in a council yeah. can make a difference. Yeah. And that is where the big influence are. And at the moment, this tendency is taking us towards instability. So my advice will be uh, try to hire the standards for a party to qualify, but don't make it impossible because when it comes to democracy, you would always like to be as representative yeah. as possible. That is what democracy is all about. And we are a very divided uh, South African nation, so divisions will be represented. In terms of your democratic institutions, and I won't work away from that. But we cannot end up in a scenario where we cannot take decisions and end up in the chaos we have seen in so many local structures throughout the country since 2021. Ironically and more perhaps contradictory, democracy is about maximizing choice, but we've now come to learn more choice doesn't mean better options necessarily, right? You're absolutely right. Uh, and that is bringing us back to another aspect, and that is responsible decision-making. And I think our voters are in many ways very uneducated and not very good informed about the political issues and therefore uh, not always voting in terms of, let's say, a certain academic standard, a certain understanding of their environment. They are purely voting in terms of their direct interest or what they believe their interest is. So I think a part of the problem is with voting education, but you are absolutely right. Too many choices are also bringing you into a lot of trouble. Yeah. And it's interesting that your stable democracies or your most stable democracies, uh, in the majority of cases, we have a fluctuation in terms of two major parties, yeah. like the United States of America, in Britain for a long time, the moment you enter certain patterns of coalition politics, the environment tends to become more unstable. Yeah. And you need a new culture, like Germany, for example, uh, Sweden, and so on, to accommodate uh, 
diversity in terms of the political process yeah. building coalitions. Prof, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Going to leave it there. Give us a call. But right now, it's a minute after 4 p.m. It's time for your news.